Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Good morning. Can we give it up for our tech team? Is that an awesome bumper? I jokingly said, like, I feel like the Matrix when it plays, like, with all the stuff. I'm like, yeah, nobody, just me. But anyway, I won't do that because I'm too old. That hurt. Um, <laughs> but it was, it was so fun. Um, and then, so I just want to say, one, welcome. It's so cool that you guys are here because it's, I, I preach this message to an empty room and it's so much more fun when you guys are here. So, uh, <laughs> jokingly say that, but Pastor Chad and Pastor Karen are visiting um, in Morgantown. I did this in the first service and I just feel like we need to. I have an animal attacking me. Do you all see like the bug flying? So, like, if I get... If it takes me out, pray, church. But um, it's like even at 180, it was like all over me. I'm like, I know I smell good, but come on. But anyway, um, so they're up in Morgantown, and Pastor Jeremiah was here from like whenever he was, I mean, like birth up. And so um, he was an intern here, ended up on staff, served several different capacities. And so God called him and his lovely wife to, to pastor church in Morgantown, and they are celebrating their one-year anniversary. And Pastor Chad and Pastor Karen are preaching that. So can we give it up just for the cool moment of raising up a son and a daughter into ministry. So I just wanted to celebrate that. I'm super proud of, of what Pastor Jane Haley are doing. And it's just a cool moment that I could preach to you guys so that Pastor Chad and Pastor Karen could be there for that moment. So today, we're, I'm going to continue on a different reality. And I'm pumped. How many of you all like, feel like you live in a different reality? Oh, come on. You all lie. The ones with the hands down, you live a lie. <laughs> you do. Because it's insane right now, is it not? I was talking to somebody um, this morning before church. I think it was Jennifer Crane, and she has this book, A Little House on the Prairie, devotional. And it's really funny, like, because we were talking, she's like, oh, I'd love that air. Like, you know, I'd like to go back to it. And I was like, yeah, but I mean, I still like showers and cell phones, right? And so we kind of joking, and I was like, can we go back to the morals? Like back in the day when people had morals. Could we do that? And, you know, <laughs> we were kind of joking about it, but here's the deal. Like, we do live in a different reality. Like, you know, I'm not that old. I turned 40 on the 15th of this month. So, so you know, like 40 years ago, it's not that long ago. Like, people had morals. We actually helped each other. And you know what I mean? It, like, it's a thing. We helped each other, and people were kind, and it was crazy. But we live in a different reality now than we did even 40 years ago. Like, back then, whenever I was even young, like, sin and, and, and some of the crazy things that happened, like, it was still like, oh, my God. Do you know what I mean? It was more like the reality was that people were, were good versus crazy, right? And now it's like crazy versus good. Like, now if you're good, people look at you like you're weird. Like, whatever you say, like, I have morals or I, I don't do something, and they're like, what do you mean you don't do it? It's like, I have a standard, you know? Like, this is the standard, and I, and I don't do those things. And so... Um, Anyway, so today that's kind of what we're going to talk about a little bit is just that um, we live in a different reality. So if I titled my message, and I did for your sake, we're going to call it Shut Up and Wait. Is that not fun? Now that's a, a statement every parent has made. Oh, can we release middle school 
You all can go, I'm sorry, I failed you at 180. Middle school, you are released to go learn from John, because <laughs> he's awesome. Everybody give it up for John Burns, leading middle school at 11. So thank you, John, for serving. But anyway, so um, it's really funny because, um, you know, as a... As we sit and look, sometimes it's like, you know, with parents, they're like, shut up's like a, a bad word, right? And we don't want to say that. But sometimes in life, we just have to kind of shut up and wait. And, and that's sad. Like, how many of you all feel like you wait well? I don't. I'm terrible at it. Like I told you at 180, I'm kind of a fast-moving person. And, and whenever I say, like, people are in my way. Does that make sense? Like, I hate to say that, but like, I move so fast and I got so much stuff to do that people just get in my way. And I don't mean for them to get in my way. Like, I love them. It's just I move way faster than them. So sometimes I feel like I come across like anxious and rude and all that. And it's not like I just need you to do your job so that I can do mine faster. Is that okay? How many's truly like that? My people. Yes, my, I'm not alone. I knew that I wasn't. Thank you for making me feel this way. Well, so here's the deal. Like, I truly mean that. And if I've ever made you feel that way, please forgive me. I just move fast. But I don't wait well. And so 100 years ago, in probably 15 careers, I was a respiratory therapist. Um, I guess I still have the degree, so I kind of still am a respiratory therapist. So I just don't have a license. But anyway, I've not done that for like um, since 2010. I've not done respiratory therapy. But back in the day when I was, my wife was in medical school at the time. And so she uh, was rotating and doing her, I don't know what a rotation, but we ended up that I was her respiratory therapist for her first intubation. Isn't that so cool? It wasn't. It wasn't. No, it really wasn't. Because here's the deal. I went to respiratory therapy school because I wanted to intubate someone. That's it. But guess what they didn't tell me in respiratory school? That respiratory therapists don't intubate. I'm like, I have a degree in the airway. But I don't open up the airway. Like, when did I miss that class? So doctors get to do that. So, so we're here. We walk in the room, and the cool doctor, like, I, I loved him. He was awesome working with him. He came in, and he saw the two of us. He's like, oh, because he knew we were married. He was like, who's intubating today? And my heart jumped out of my body. I'm like, this is it. The day has arrived. Uh, you know, and I was like, this is great. So he said, which one of you going to intubate? And so we kind of looked, and, and Ashley made a joke, said, you're going to cause some contention in my marriage. And he's like, well, are you going to give him your chance? And do you know what my lovely and beautiful wife did? You know, one would think she gave me my opportunity because she knew that I'd been waiting on this for years and years. And it was my heart's desire to stick a tube down somebody's throat so that they might live. Do you know what I mean? Like you would think that she would offer that. Nope. Not Ashley Toller. She proceeded to the front of the bed and adjusted the patient's neck. And I was like, oh, so that's how it's going to be. Uh, but no. So, and, and I was sitting there. I was, like, I was like, this is it. She's going to confess her love. But she did not. And so I did what every awesome husband did. I shut up. And I never brought it up again until today. I'm kidding. And I waited, right? And that's marriage advice. Gentlemen, pick your battles. Sometimes you just have to shut up. And all the married men said, amen. <laughs> but I waited and waited, and to this day, I'm still waiting to intubate somebody. But I believe that it'll happen. I do. And when it does, I think it'll probably be like riding a bike. Like once I get in there, I'll remember everything. It's going to be like, 
and perfect and they'll live and we'll celebrate another awesome story next time I hold a microphone. It's going to be great. And everybody's like, I hope it's not me. I do too. <laughs> I really do. So I continue to wait and I wait. And so that's kind of what we're going to talk about today a little bit. The characters in our Bible story is Zachariah and Elizabeth. And they had to wait for a really long time. And the Bible says that they were faithful. Like it, it's something that when you read the Bible and you read about those characters, that it was something that was talked about so much in the Bible that, that it kind of became the theme of their lives, that they were faithful. And so we're going to read a lot of scripture today about this moment. And so um, while, before we jump into it, I want to kind of set us up for a little bit. So at this point in their lives, they were old and they had no children. But they desired a child. And see, what's very important about this moment is that in Jewish culture, if you don't have a child and you're not able to have children, it's considered a curse. But the Bible told us that they were faithful and obedient to the commandments. And so here's kind of the, the weird part is that, not the weird part, but the kicker in the situation is Zechariah was of the priesthood. So he had to study scriptures all the time. And, and so he's studying and knew the, the promises of God. And then he has this cultural thing put on him that, hey, you're not blessed. You're, you're, you know, you're cursed if you don't have children. And so this is kind of where we are. And he was studying scriptures like Deuteronomy 714 that says, you'll be blessed more than any other people. None of your men or women will be childless, nor will any of your livestock be without young. This scripture promises a fruitful womb. It promises it. But then you have him and Elizabeth here with a different reality. Like God, you, you, your word says this, you can't lie. So they're kind of, they're in this place where they're reconciling, right? Of like, hey, I've, I've done this. I've done what you told me I'm supposed to do, but this isn't my reality. I, I'm, I'm kind of living a different reality than what you said. And so he has this moment here of tension. And so another part that we have to hit is here in the scriptures. And so we're going to be reading in Luke 1, 8 through 22. It's going to be a lot of scriptures, so buckle up. So here we go. It says, once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the customs of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zacharias saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayers have been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He has never to take wine or ferment a drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go he will go on before the Lord in spirit and power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in her years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. 
I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day it happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them, and they realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he was making signs and could not speak to them. So here's what we got. You have this situation where Zechariah was of the priesthood, and what happened was they were required to travel and go to the temple for two weeks. And so what would happen is they would put um, everyone's name in like a lot, and they would draw out depending on your your family. Now, what happened was with the priesthood, they only went in to burn incense one time in their life. They could only go once. And as we read the scriptures, Zechariah at this point was extremely old. So he was at this point where he kind of felt like my ministry's over, my time on earth is almost done, right? Like I've kind of missed it, but here we are at the point where he's kind of getting his names drawn. And I had to stop and think about this for a minute. I wonder if Zechariah was like, why now, right? He probably was sitting there like, all this time has passed. All these young bucks have gotten to go before me, right? All the people drawn out before me, why now? When I'm, when I'm old. Why in this situation? So Zechariah was, was really trying to figure this out because I'm sure many times before he was passed over and was a little distraught, a little frustrated that, hey, why, like, God, did you forget about me? Why is this not something that, that I get to do? Maybe he was thinking that it just wasn't in the cards for him. But the Bible tells us that Zechariah remained faithful. Does anyone here have like a, a spouse or a significant other that just isn't like measuring up, right? And you kind of think like, you're just like, you just don't hit the mark, right? You, you get what I'm saying? And, and we're there. I've heard it said like this is, you know, well, they're just whatever, or they deserve to be happy, or I deserve to be happy. So I kind of think about this moment. I wonder if Zechariah was there feeling like, I deserve this. Like, it's time. Do you know what I mean? Kind of feel like, I've measured up. I've done this. Like, I'm not like the other people who don't measure up. Do you know what I mean? I wonder if he ever had that moment, because here's what can happen with us in our walk. Sometimes we can get to where we feel like we deserve something right. But I have to ask the question, do we really deserve anything? I mean, stop and think about it. Like, our, the Bible says our righteousness is as filthy rags. But yet, as a society, especially America, like, we're crazy blessed here in America, are we not? Like, the poorest person in America is, like, super rich compared to every other country. Like, we're, we're, we're crazy blessed. And because of that, we get to where we feel entitled, right? Like, we deserve this. And so, I kind of want to challenge that mindset that you have a little bit, because we really don't deserve anything, right? It's only by God's grace and mercy. And so whenever I stop and I think about a different reality, like we live in a place where, where, man, I don't know how to put it. I'm just kind of frustrated with church, like not this church, but like church in general, like the big C church, right? I'm kind of frustrated and exhausted with humanity, right? Stop and think about this for a second. I think I'm jumping my notes, but I don't really care. Like, (laughs) 
we're insane right now, are we not? Like, if you really stop and think about it, like, I read an article this week, and when I think, like, I can't be blown away, I'm blown away. Does it make sense? So, like, there's some politician, I don't want to get in politics, Cook hair last, send me your emails, I'm going to delete them, I don't care what you have to say, I have the microphone, you don't. I'm kidding. But anyway, like, don't send me an email. I'll delete it. But anyway, so politics. So I read this article, and this guy, and he's from New York, he literally is promoting sexual positivity. So he created a pornography because he said, well, I couldn't just say it with my words. I had to go do it. And so the article had pictures from the, the, the video, and I'm like, first of all, what? Like, this is, this is mind-blowing to me, right? But now, the different reality, like back whenever I was born, that would have been shut down like, you know, crazy. And, and I know some of you in the room can go back even further whenever, like, you couldn't even wear a bikini on TV, right? Like, I know there's that people in the room. But this is how far we've come because we've compromised, and we've compromised, and we compromised. So now we live in a different reality where living a righteous life is like the weirdo. You can clap on that. If you want to clap, clap. Like, it's truth. It's all right. Because I plan to step on your toes today. <laughs> but, but here's the thing. It's like, it kind of just blows my mind that that's where we are. That that's our reality. That that's where our kids grow up in. Like, the society that our kids grow up in. And so, as I was, you know, thinking about this and, and com- kind of comparing it to Elizabeth and, and Zachariah, man, I have to stop and think, too, if our world is this crazy, and if I was God, I would have smited us a long time ago. Um, what in the world was Sodom and Gomorrah that he turned them to a pillar of salt? That place must have been crazy, right? Like, stop and think about it. Like, if this, if he ain't killed us yet and started over, if he's not shaking the edge of sketch, man, that place must have been dark <laughs> because we are insane, and, and so as I sit back and I look at, at, at everything going on, there comes a point of this where I'm like, us and our haughtiness and our righteousness and our we deserve this, that I just have to stop and say like, man, we deserve nothing because our righteousness is as filthy rags. But because of God, he allows us to experience this. So this is where Zechariah is. Like He's at this moment where he's getting everything that he's prayed for for years for years, but he had doubt, that, that one moment of doubt. And I'm like, okay, where did the doubt come from? And so I have to ask myself, was it, was it that he let something in his heart? Like, he was here, and he didn't, his wife didn't have a fruitful room, womb. He had never got to burn incense. He had these desires. Finally, it was coming to pass, and that mouth and that doubt got him into some trouble. So point number one. If you're taking notes, and you should, because people who take notes in church get bigger mansions in heaven. It's, it's in the scripture somewhere. It, it really is. But number one, do not develop bitterness in your waiting. Man, bitterness is a crazy little poison, and, and waiting's hard. It really is. Like I jokingly talked about, you know, the whole like intubation thing. And I still want to intubate. Let's just throw that out there, right? <laughs> but, but it's like at the end of the day, it doesn't, it, doesn't really, it doesn't really matter. It's not really that life-changing. But man, bitterness can get in there. And when it does, whew, everything you touch gets bled on, right? 
Have you ever met those people that they just bleed on everything? It's like you're around them for 15 minutes and you know everything they've ever went through, right? Because they just bleed out. It's that. Bitterness is like that. And so I want to encourage you and challenge you that, that us, we have to bring our mind and our will and our emotions under the blood of Jesus, and you say, why, why I say mind, will, and emotions? Because your mind can lie to you. It can make you think that stuff is going on when it really isn't. And your will, like what you want to do, like I didn't want to get up at 5.30 this morning and come and preach to you. I wanted to sleep in and go to the you know, movie theater and buy a bucket of popcorn and come back and watch movies and veg all day. But here we are because my will is I have to do what the Father calls me to do, right? And plus it's my job. But other than that, I'm joking. Smile, man, you guys are a tough crowd. Like you all are like, we want Chad back. He'll be back next week. Breathe. <laughs> but, but seriously, like our will, sometimes we don't want to do the right thing, right? Like sometimes, you know, you've had a bad day and you're just like, I just don't want to do this, but we have to do it. And then there's your emotions. Whew, your emotions, oh, they can like lie to you. And people's like, well, I feel, I feel, I don't care what you feel, boo. I don't, and not because your heart can deceive you, the Bible tells us. And so that's where, where I'm at with all of this. And so I'm sitting here trying to reconcile this different reality that, that Zachariah is living, and I wonder if he got bitter. I wonder if he got to the place that he was just, just upset about it. Because here he is at the moment where he's getting everything he's prayed for. And I'm here to tell you that some of you are just moments away from getting everything that you've ever prayed for. You just have to wait well. That's it. It really comes down to that because he is a faithful God. He is faithful to perform every promise he's ever given you, but you cannot become bitter waiting. And if you are bitter, you're, you kind of like the Holy Spirit's bringing that. I pray that you repent today and that you walk out of here changed and free because God is so good. He is so faithful, right? I mean, the songs that we sing about it, he truly is that because bitterness is a crazy poison. I told the first service and I'll kind of share it and I jokingly messed up the, the thing so he was laughing about it um, in between services but I had a crazy traumatic childhood like crazy like crazy like I would tell people be like who's your dad and I would tell them and they're like I'm sorry and I'm like me too because my dad was like Satan incarnate and I don't mean that disrespectfully he was just a very vile human being and so whenever I say like I lived in a different reality I truly lived in a different reality but whenever like life was hard and we went through all this stuff and I grew up in 2012 my sister was like brutally murdered I'm talking like movie murdered. And so when my sister died, I was a pastor. I was working, you know, full time for a church and all that. But bitterness, that's the moment that like bitterness came into my heart. Because the moment that I literally just buried my wife, Ashley, like went her appendix ruptured, her heart went crazy. And she was like, we, I thought she was going to die all in one weekend. So we finally get back to where we lived. We lived in Chicago at the time. And it was like, oh, you know, like two seconds to breathe. I went into the church and my boss, the pastor pulled me in and he was like hey you need to get back to work 
I was like, I literally like just buried her like 20 minutes ago, <laughs> you know, like 12 hours ago and then drove here. Like, can you give me a second? He's like, you need to get your emotions together and get back to work. And I was like, before or after I take you out? But anyway, <laughs> you know, it was just like one of those whenever every emotion comes like bringing up in you. And at that moment, like I just became bitter. But here's why I'm telling you all of this, because I was deceived for a really long time and didn't think I was bitter. I, did, I didn't think it was in there, but it, it was, and everything I touched was bitter. Everything I touched was different. Everything I looked at came from this lens. So I have to ask the question with Zachariah. I mean, this guy who was faithful and all this, like it said, he was faithful and obedient, and you can do all those things but still have something in your heart, because I'm like, where did that moment of unfaithfulness come from? When he doubted an angel from the Lord telling him, you're going to have a son. Was it from years and years of setback, like, well, she's not pregnant this time. She's not pregnant this time. I didn't get called this time. This time's not my two weeks. This time I don't get to burn incense. I've setback after setback caused this. So here's what I am challenging us to do today. Point number two is we have to get rid of the bitterness so that we can, point number two, receive the promises spoken over you and your family. Like, that's it. Like, it's so, like, it's just receive the promises, spiritual and otherwise, visions from yourself and others. It might have been your granddad, your dad. There could have been a pastor when you were a kid. It could be just scripture spoken over you, scripture, the word of God, where he gives you promises. You need to read that out loud, and you need to receive it. Because Zechariah went with being chosen for, to burn incense in the priest, but he doubted the angel's prophecy for a child. He had that moment, and, and then it changed everything. So Zacharias probably felt like God had put him on a shelf and forgotten about him, and some of you might be here now, like, I've missed my moment. It's, it's not in the cards for me, but as I said, you're a moment away from getting everything, but you have to check your heart. So I'm here today to remind you to check Check your heart and receive the promises. Some of you are just a moments away. You'd forgotten until now, but the Holy Spirit is going to remind you. So here's where we're at. Zacharias gets this really cool moment. And then here's what the, the Holy Spirit told him, the, or the angel told him. He is like, because of your unbelief, I'm going to have to shut your mouth. I'm going to have to shut your mouth because you, you can't do this. So what happened was, the angel of the Lord shut his mouth and made him deaf. Can you stop and think about this for a second? Like he, he could not hear, he could not think. And so here's what happens. I kind of thought about this because it reminded me of something. Back a hundred years ago, I jokingly said, a couple of years ago, we went through a situation, and I'm going to share the story, but I was so blinded that the things that were coming out of my mouth was not truth. I couldn't hear the things that my family was saying to me because it was like somebody had their hands over my ears. I could not hear the truth. And so this was probably at the moment that I feel like Zacharias was at. He, he could see it, he could hear it, but he was unfaithful, like he didn't have the faith to believe because... It had, it had been so long. So we're at this place, and he leaves. He goes out. Now, Zacharias is deaf and dumb, and the Bible tells us that scholars believe that his wife got pregnant that week. So he was deaf and dumb, but he wasn't too deaf and dumb to get his wife pregnant, right? Or it could have been he was just gone for two weeks, and all the married people said, Amen, right? But whatever the point, he got his wife pregnant. So now, you know, she's pregnant. Point number three. 
understand your mouth is very powerful. This is kind of like my mantra. And I feel because it's like I've lived it, so I'm very passionate about it. But your, your, your words are so powerful. The Bible says power of life and death is in the tongue. Proverbs 18.21 says death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. I have something very important to tell you. That if you can't speak life over your family and over your situation, just shut up. It's the best thing you can do. Shut your mouth. Because it is something that it's, you can't speak negativity. I have to tell you, like I've lived all around the world, and one of the things that frustrates me about here is we have a poverty mindset. Like, if you hang out around West Virginians very long, everybody's like, oh, I'm so poor, or, or I'm this. We talk about, I'm broke. It gets on my nerves. Now, I'm not a prosperity gospel. I will tell you to get your tail up, get a suit, go apply for some jobs, and get a job if you ain't got no money, right? Like, I'm all about that. The Bible still says that you have to work hard, right? I have 27 and a half jobs. I work hard. If you want money, go find it. This is America. You, can, you have a cell phone. You can make money. Get yourself up. Young people, get yourself up and get a job. Get off the video games. Clean yourself up and get a job. And every older person should be clapping their hands right there. That's some solid advice. But, oh, I digress. But here's the thing, is we have this spirit over this region uh, of poverty, and it's like a badge that we wear. Like, we're proud of it. And, and, and it kind of upsets me, because I'm like, I've lived in, like, Chicago, Phoenix, and they don't run around like, we're broke. Like, I hardly ever hear anybody say that. I was like, what is it about this region? It's their words. It's their posture that we take on it. And I am looking for, why, I'm like, why are you bringing this up? Because their words are powerful. If you keep saying it and saying it and saying it, eventually it will take root to the point that nearly West Virginia has this poverty mindset to the point that other states have recognized it. We're last on every list, and I'm like, it's the most beautiful state there is. The most amazing people live here. Why on God's green earth are we this way? And do you want to know what it is? Because we won't shut our mouth, get into the Word of God, and start speaking the promises over our situations. Amen? Yeah, you can clap or raise your feet up because I'm right. But anyway, like because I've watched it, I've watched it live out. But here, here is something that, that I've kind of had to live this out and and having to shut up. A few years ago, we Ashley and I we had a difficult situation in our marriage, and I think I've shared this story before. So if you've heard it, you can take a nap for a quick second. This is for the new people and. Uh, it, it was just a hard time in life. Like, life sucked. Her, one of her kids was going crazy. Like, it was just a hot mess. The church I worked for, I wasn't enjoying. So I would come home and complain for like two or three hours. Like, just vomit all this toxicity. And then when Ashley would share something about our family, I would be like, Shh, this dominates our life. That's all we talk about. After I just ranted for two or three hours, and she was like, excuse me. And because here's the thing, but when you're married to a doctor, it's sometimes it's scary because they know what's not traceable in the human body. Stop and think about that for a second. She knows what they can't find. So every time I eat, I'm like, is this it? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, is this the last supper? I'm kidding. But it does get to their mind. So, uh, you know, if it was, like, but the part that I jokingly say about that is I couldn't see it. 
Like it was like I, I was so blinded by my emotions, by my mind telling me this stuff. And I was a pastor of one of the fastest growing churches in America. All this crazy good stuff. On the outside, it looked picture perfect. But I was going crazy on the inside from the bitterness and the frustration. And, and so all this toxicity was coming out of my mouth. And so one day, she literally looked at me because we were like ready to divorce. I mean, it was kind of like nearly planning it out. And she was like, you just need to shut up. And at first, I kind of riled up. I was like, what? <laughs> you know, in her righteousness of like what we deserve. And she's like, no, seriously, like you just need to fast talking because everything you say is, is negative. You're speaking death over finances, over kids, over a situation like just shut up. And so, so that's what I did. I just shut up and waited and I listened to what I was saying. And so we find ourselves like here in our story where Zacharias is kind of having that fast, right? He came home, he's deaf, he's mute, and so, but he got his wife pregnant. But let's talk about the deaf part. So she's pregnant, right? She, like the, it's kind of coming to pass what the, what the angel said. And we're here, and he's deaf. And so as I started researching, as I started listening to it, God needed Zacharias to not hear what people were saying, he needed him to not hear the negativity. He needed him to not have the influence, right? And so I kind of want to share that with you guys because I think it's an important part because some of you all need to get some negative influences out of your life. You need to get some courage and remove them, right? Either willfully or, or ask God to move them from you. You all are really terrible at clapping, I'm just going to tell you that. Like, it's like, we don't know if we're going to do it, maybe. It's like, if, like clap if you're going to clap. Like, I'm just like, but anyway, so we're at this point, and, and I got to thinking about it. Like, sometimes God w literally put his hand over, over his ears, but you know what? Satan can't create anything that he can mimic, right? Because I'll tell you what, when my daughter went crazy, and, and I love her. She is now healed and saved, and she preaches, and it's cool what God's doing. That would be a good place to clap. Let me help you out. Clap there. Like, if y'all could flash applause. I'm kidding. Don't. But that would be cool. That would be fun. But anyway, when she went crazy, like some of the stuff that would come out of her mouth, and, and I was just like, it just didn't line up. Like, here's what I'm going to tell you. So we had just gotten back from Cancun, Mexico. Yes, Cancun. Awesome vacation. And she wants to tell me how terrible her life is. Yeah. I'm like, do tell me. Because <laughs> I was like 33 before I ever gotten on an airplane. Do you know? And you're like 12 and you want to tell me. And I jokingly use it as a joke because I thought you would smile, but you're not. You're not that church. Y'all aren't a smiling church today. So I thought it'd be funny. But there's other stuff that like truth that she knew that she was denying. I'm like, I've Christian schooled you your whole life. You could have had a doctorate at this point with how much we've invested into your college or into your, your, your elementary school, all this stuff. And, and you can't tell me. You used to be able to walk it through and you can't, you can't hear it. But it was like somebody had put, put their hands over her ears and, and something over her eyes. But then one day, as much as I was judging her because I was ready to ship her off to boarding school, because sometimes when there's a negative influence, I was willing to sacrifice her to save my youngest. Right? Sometimes those are hard choices. Luckily, I didn't get have to do that, but it was awesome, and now she's she's uh, she's amazing. I love her way more and like her way more now than I ever have. 
That's awesome. You all should clap on that one. See, I'm helping you. Clap there. Yes, because it's cool. But I say that. I say that. But sometimes you have to do that. And as much as I judged her, the same thing had happened to me. I had all this bitterness and all this crazy going on in my heart. And, and it was just a place where the Holy Spirit had to start removing toxic influences over my life. And some of them, I had to make the decision to do it. I had to remove it. Maybe it's television shows for you. Maybe it's people, right? Whatever it is, I pray that God would give you the, the strength to do it. This is your call to be brave and to remove it because it's deafening your ears and you can't walk in the promises that God called you to and live in a different reality that you want to because you have all this negativity. That is good stuff. So now that mouth. So Zechariah's mouth had to be shut up. Do you all remember uh, when the Israelites had to walk around Jericho? For those of you that you know, know the Bible story. So what did he tell them to do? He told them to shut up, right? While they were walking around Jericho, they couldn't talk. And why is that? Because the Bible said that, that God couldn't risk them complaining, he couldn't risk them having the temptation to complain because it didn't make sense. And it was hard and hot and all this stuff. It was almost like back in the day whenever he was building, not, not, not building the building, Bethesda building, like the dream team. We had like 10 cars and we built a parking team <laughs> to park 10 cars. And so the parking team, they're like, you want, there's, there's nobody to park. We're like, but one day there'll be cars to park, right? And they're like, out there like, yeah, park here. And like we were idiots. But now look at it. We have to have a parking team, right? It's cool. But at that moment, it seemed weird. And they complained. And I'm like, shut up. It'll work. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But like jokingly, like he said, he couldn't risk them. So he's like, don't speak. Just walk around Jericho. And, and then it happened that they shouted and it failed. But, you know, just as much as the shout is spiritual warfare, sometimes shutting up is spiritual warfare. Amen. It can be a method. So when it seemed as though Zechariah's life and ministry were almost over, he's old, he's finally getting to do this, he got called to the highest you know, thing that a priest could, which was go in and burn in, uh, incense. And then the messenger of heaven said, you're going to name him John. And John in Hebrew means God is merciful. And I had to share that because in all the kind of almost like the negativity that it feels like I'm sharing, God is always still merciful. Even in the moments of our undoubt in his belief where he had to like, shut his mouth up and, and make him deaf so he could hear things, he gave him a John. He gave him mercy. Amen. So when Zechariah spoke the name, or, or when, when he began to spoke was when John was born, his ears were released and he could speak. So whenever I shut my mouth years ago and God kind of told me to shut up, and well, my wife told me, God used my wife to tell me to shut up. Sometimes my wife and the Holy Spirit are the same person. Amen. But, um, but anyway, so she told me to shut up, and I did, and I started listening to what was pouring out of my mouth. It was terrible. It was actually embarrassing. Because whenever stuff starts coming out of your mouth, it's actually coming out of your heart. Matthew 12, 34 says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And, and as I thought about all this stuff pouring out, man, it was terrible. I was rude. I was talking about people. I was attacking their character, their intelligence. Like it was just rude and wrong. And all this was pouring out. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, 
you have to look like me. And I was like, great, like, let's do, let's get back to that, right? Because sometimes as Christians, and that's why I'm here today, because I love you enough not to let you go to hell, that Christians can be deceived, and we need to repent, is that we have to look like Christ. And to do that, the Bible says that we have to look like the fruit of the Spirit. He said, you will know my people by their fruit. Amen. So what's this fruit? Love patience, joy, peace, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's a good place to clap. Thank you. I'll help you all out. That's good stuff. Because here's what it is. If you're not showing love, joy, peace, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, you need to go back and do your first works over again. I don't care how long you've done it. Boo, I had a dog, 17th fastest growing church in the nation. I could shout and speak in tongues with the best of them. And that's what I'm saying. Like, we think we got it all together. You can figure this out. You can know when to scream. You can know when to raise the hands. You can know when to see the key to my Hyundai and all of it and have all that hate and frustration in your heart. You say, did Zachariah? I don't know. That's what I'm asking you today. Did he have it in there? Is that what caused the unfaithfulness? Is that what's causing yours? Because here's where we're at. We live in a reality that is terrible. We have people who have lost their ever-loving mind, politicians, all this. It's in their backyard. Like our high school, they don't even, they think they're animals. This whole thing called furry, I thought people were punking me when they told me what furries was. I was like, you are lying to me. And I'm like, what makes sense? They've lost their identity because their parents have. Here's what I'm telling you to do. You need to get yourself in a small group and figure some things out. I'm going to tell you this. Do you, what's the vehicle of discipleship here? Small groups. And this is not a plug. We've launched them. There's 54. But our vehicle of discipleship is small groups. Do you know what percentage of this church is in small groups? We run 600 to 1,000 people on a weekend. 2% of this church is in small groups. That's sad. I'm calling your hindens out. I am, because I love you enough to not let you go to hell. It's time to grow up and get discipled. Do you want to know why our world looks as terrible as it does? Because we have gotten so far away from looking like Christ and so far away from holiness that we can't even see it when it walks in the room. And it's time that the church set up, growed up, and get growed up. That's not even more. Grew up, got ourselves into a into a, a place where iron sharpens iron around some other people. Let's learn from each other and let's move forward and change the reality of this region. Because I tell you what. It's insanity, the stuff that's going on. We do live in a different reality, but our, we're called to change the reality. We're called to change it, and we're doing nothing. They're winning. And I read the back of the book. They don't win. I promise you one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, whether you made to or you choose to. Zacharias didn't have an option to shut his mouth. The Holy Spirit did it for him. So are you going to have to be pushed down to say the name or will you choose to put your knee down? Because that's where we're at. Because we're at a place where I love you enough to tell you, man, you got to fix this. Like we've got to get in, we've got to get discipled. So here's what we did as a church. We created the compass, right? You guys heard us talk about the compass. We did it. We were pumped. Books were ready. Weeks went by. 
weeks went by and I prayed, Pastor Chad and Pastor Karen don't get upset at me for saying this. I didn't, this is not in my notes. I'm freestyling at this point. So, so I, I'm kind of sharing, you're getting to peek behind the curtain. Guess how many signed up? Nobody. I was so deflated. I was like, I'm just like, what? Like months and months of work, getting people in a room, doing all this, and nobody signed up for this discipleship. So we had to get people in a room. We had to call and beg. Now, it's awesome. We have like 10 or 20 in the group, which is awesome. I got to help you all. That's a cool place to clap. That's awesome that 10 or 20. But why am I telling you this? Because guys, we got to get discipleship. We have the internet in our pocket and we're the most Bible illiterate generation that there's ever been. That's sad. It's no wonder. It's no wonder that that we live in a different reality. So I'm challenging you today to change the reality. I'm challenging you today to get around some people and get in a small group and get discipled. I'm challenging you to get in your house and lead. Save people, save people. Will leaders lead? What would it look like if a church of a thousand went out and lived this out loud in that? What if we went out and showed people love, joy, patience, kindness, gentleness. Let's go back. Kindness. Christians are called to be kind. How's that? Kindness, gentleness, and some self-control. What if we did that? What would the world look like? Like, I'm not even back here trying to tell you, oh, raise people from the dead. I'm not trying to get you. You speak all that. You have the power to do all that. I'm taking us back. Like, let's get back to be kind. (laughs) Let's go back to the basics. I'm not trying to be ugly with that. We have to go back and 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 do some, some work, right? Because here's where we are. We're at a place where we are losing, losing a generation. Guys, they think they're animals. That's how lost we are. And, and every alarm in my body is going off and everybody's just walking around like, I, oh, I just love the Lord. Well, love him a little bit harder because we got a school over there that's, that they think they're animals. Come on. Step it up. And us as a church, like the, the generosity that we have, the resources that we have here, the people that we have here, we should turn Greenbrier County upside down. It's not even that big. There's 35,000 people. It's not even like we have, you know, the New York or Chicago. Like, it's, it's a small place. Like, we can change this. But do you know how we're going to do it? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. If you want to know, well, what does Jesus like? What does he look like? He looks like love. He looks like joy. He looks like peace, kindness, gentleness, self. It all goes back. So today, I'm going to challenge you all. I want to challenge you that if you're here today, I want to challenge you to shut up. I want to challenge you to take it faster. Go, and then when you speak, listen to what's coming out. What are you speaking over your family? What are you speaking? Husbands, some of you all need to hold your wife's hand and say, I'm only going to speak good things, 
positive things, life over a situation. Because it does not matter how hard she prays, there is a biblical setup that the man is the head of the household. And when you pray, it is way more powerful than your wife. I love feminism. I'm all about it. I have a very strong wife. She's a doctor. She's awesome. I'm all about it. But there are kingdom principles. And the man is the head of the household. They have to step up and lead. So I'm challenging some of you all to get a Bible, get around your kitchen table, figure out what the Word looks like, speak it over your kids, speak it over your finances, and let's run. You guys with me? But what you need to do is fast if some of the words that you say by holding your wife's hand and saying, I'm only going to speak the good stuff and challenge each other. Women, give your wife permission to call you out when you start speaking the ugly and the, and the disbelief. And husbands do the same. That's the only way you're going to live in a different reality. You want a different reality, then you have to live a different reality. Amen. If you would stand with me today. If you're here, I pray to God that you heard my heart today, that God is all the things that we said. He is so amazing. He is a gentle father. He is. He is the things that we said. You can lean back in his loving arms and all that. We love that God. I love that God. But he's also a God that will chastise you. He's also a God that will tell you to be quiet and he will shut your mouth and he will lead you because that's what a parent does. And he's a good, good father. Father. I grew up with a terrible father, and it took me a really long time to trust God as my father. And I promise you today at 40, I can tell you, he is amazing. He is faithful. If he speaks it, it will come to pass. It may take 80 years as Zacharias. You can clap there. That's a good spot. It may take a minute, but I promise you it's going to come to pass if he says it over you, about you or to you, whether through a person or his word. But today I'm going to ask every head bowed, every eye closed. You may be here today and be like, I need to know that God that you talked about. That one that I can that'll just wrap his arms around me like a blanket, the one that will be strong enough to lead my life. Well, that's Jesus. And it's simple. If you're here today and you need him, I'm not going to embarrass you. I just simply want you to raise your hand real high so we can see it. The compass people are going to come and give you some information. If you're online, there's a moderator that will that will be with you. But here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Every voice, I want you to speak this. If you would just pray this prayer with us so that, so that no one feels left out, say, Father God, forgive me. Change me. Heal me. Set me free. And teach me to help others. And let them see you in me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, can you celebrate for all the ones online, in-house? Now, here's what I'm going to tell you. If, if you're saved and, and, and you've done this for a while, as the prayer team gets in place and staff and, and all the people that's going to pray, this is, this is kind of for you. My message was kind of built for you. Because it's time to step up, guys. It's we don't we don't have the luxury of time anymore. We don't have the luxury of of like not doing what we're called to do. We don't we don't have it anymore. Like we're running out. I feel this urgency in my spirit again. Like I have no idea why he has not split the sky open already. You say, well, my grandma's grandma's grandma's. Well, if your grandma 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 was saying that we're closer than we were, amen right so so it's good to be ready but guys we don't have the luxury we have to go show them a different reality we do so i'm going to challenge you to repent of some things 
If there's bitterness in your heart, I'm going to ask you to come up and let this amazing people pray over you. Families, come up and get prayed for. I'm just challenging you. Don't leave this place the way you came in. God, God wants to do so much, and He can change it in a moment. And I'm going to pray a quick prayer of you, and then we're going to worship, and you can you can jump up here and get prayed for. Father God, over everyone under the sound of my voice, I pray that you would give them a passion for your word, that they would fall in love with the Bible, oh God. I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would bless everything that they put their hands and their minds to, where they, they walk, let them change atmospheres. I pray, oh God, over them that you would move in their families. Bless them financially. Bless them with the resources, oh God. Not so that they can boast about, so they can go be a blessing, oh God. Let us change Greenbrier County in Jesus' name. And then from there, our state and our world. Because God, we want to live in a different reality. We need it. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.